about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Tim Ferratu. There's no magic stuff. There's only sexy stuff. Good morning. Good morning. We always both have like, I don't know, I'm, I always got to say your name. And you always throw me off with something else. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> well, hi. Hi. And hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to episode 45. Mm. 45, so close to 50. Are we, is this like the golden years? Of what? podcast life oh oh because that's the age people say are your goal i have no idea what are you talking about 45 yeah 1945 45 (laughs) the golden age of dismembering horror Mm. the podcast show where myself ryan mcduffie myself tim aslan we talk about what worked for us what did not work for us and Anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film that we've been wanting to see or was ideally suggested to us by you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? And we're on the hunt for what scares us too, for that that hidden gold of horror, not or not so hidden gold, because there are a lot of top whatever horror movie lists out there. <laughs> yeah, about a billion of them. It's been a pretty hit or miss though, like yeah. with just going off lists and suggestions. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we got to do it. Yeah. We got to get in there and do it. Um, so we hope you uh, join us for this journey where, it, I don't know, no matter how good or bad they may be though, Tim, it's fun to talk about what they were and how they did it because they are all in the realm of things we aren't supposed to look at. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and definitely I would not have seen this week's movie in my life, probably if we weren't doing this. Really? Why? I just don't think I would have come across it. It's on. I mean, I know of it, but I would, I would look at the cover or, you know, the premise and be like, eh, even though it's George Romero? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Because I think because it's, you know, I know Romero is doing a certain thing, and I've seen those things, and I'm like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Just rather watch Avengers again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather watch the first night of The Living Dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if I'm going to watch a, a Romero film, I'd probably just pull that and, yeah. and be like, okay, yeah, I'm it's cool with that. been a while since I've seen all those sequels I've been wanting to again, mm. especially since they're those later year ones. I saw uh, Land oh, of man. the Dead only once in theaters. I think I saw that one. I Maybe feel like I saw that, that would be better than when it first came out without the expectations. Yeah, you know? it was not... It did not meet the expectations. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But those are unrealistic expectations. Totally. That's why I want to see it again. Yeah. Well, if you hadn't guessed, we're here today to talk about a George Romero movie, Martin. Mm. Um, so should we should we get into it? Play the trailer? Yeah. Okay, I'll say it again. Here's Martin. My name is Martin. Martin. I'm 84 years old. Martin. People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am. I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. I'm pretty good at it. 
I think as I get older, I get better. I haven't been caught yet. Martin, another kind of terror. You see, people don't understand what's wrong. They think that I'm a monster. They think I'm a vampire. Well, that was interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen that before. The the main character speaking at camera as narrator of the trailer. Right. <laughs> I kind of liked it. I think they should bring that back. I mean, it's hokey, but, you know. Pretty hokey. Which I guess is kind of this movie is. <laughs> yeah. Kind of hokey, but very yeah. interesting and distinct tone. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Well, right after our trailer comes the rating. Yeah. Which for our our scale here is would we tell ourselves <laughs> to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? So, Mr. Timothy Aslan, what would you tell yourself to do out of those four options? I would rent this. I would almost buy it, but I, not quite. Cool. It's... Yeah, you know, it's for all its kind of hokiness or whatever you want to call it, sort of of a era, things that are weird. And I think some people would see and be like, ugh, it's got some really fucking good thematic stuff going on. Yeah. And I and agree, it, all and, the aforementioned, I think, is only working for it. Yeah. And in the context of the time that it was made, and obviously we'll talk about this, like there's some pretty heavy sh like commentary going on. Mm -hmm. And I like, I l love that kind of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm a rent. Great. Me too. <clears throat> I give it the sort of exact solid hearty rent it. Yeah. You know, where it's like for everything you said, I agree and would want to see it. Um, sheer... Sheer entertainment value. Just that's, I think, why it wasn't up to a buy it for me. Like, I don't mm -hmm. see myself mm -hmm. wanting to revisit it too, too often no. kind of thing. But just for its pretty unique, yeah, just a feel. And I guess that is a kind of Romero thing going on with yeah. it. Um, well, and I think before we watched it, I think you had, you had said something about having heard that it might be kind of a drag, like it's a little slower. Oh, I slower said it has or... that reputation. Yeah, yeah. But I said that like... I did not find <laughs> that to be the case. I can see where people might be coming from, but I at no point was bored. I was like on board Yeah, a lot happens. This. I think, I wonder if that's more so just the kind of mood of it is very it, dreamy. That's right. It's super moody. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so, you know. But it's fascinating. Like when you get to those shots that are just so distinctly 70s of him sitting in the field Dude. with rack focus, grass Ugh. and flowers. And you're just Ugh. like... <laughs> Oh, my childhood. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And this one, Tim said, I can remember when people would smoke on planes. <laughs> yeah. Like I, my early memories, like the first, I don't know when the first time I was on a plane was, but I remember like getting into the plane and being like people fucking were smoking. Yeah. And like putting their butts out in the fucking ashtray in the armrest. <laughs> we said that when watching a, crazy. the Colonel Sanders uncle in this movie smoking his cigar <laughs> on the train car. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what got us thinking. Do you fucking imagine being trapped 
in that little fucking tin can <laughs> of a cabin of a plane and it's filled with smoke. I mean, I that's can... fucking ridiculous. I mean, when you, when no, I mean, when it Nobody was that gave pervasive, a shit. Yeah. yeah. I think my, my parents fucking hated that. Good. Like they're just not like my dad's brother was a smoker and they're, I think they're only like a year and a half apart or two years apart. And so they shared a room growing up. Mm-hmm. And my dad was tr- like a track and long distance runner, like like very successful. Like his high school won states and he went on to do uh-huh. marathons and blah, blah, blah. And his fucking brother was like a greaser and would sit in bed while they're like reading, going to bed, smoking cigarettes next to him. Great. Wow, my dad was training for fucking races and shit. Hopefully that helps set the scene. Remember, just take that 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 emotional imagery, add it with some like short shorts, <laughs> tube TVs, blatant commercial advertising everywhere for you know big corporations. But it's kind of whatever because Happy Days is endorsing it too. <laughs> you know, and then and then you got where we are for oh. this movie and this summary. Of this movie is our next section. Okay. Mm. I'm looking at you. Okay, Martin. Well, Martin. Yeah. I mean, the tale of Martin. I feel like for to the summary, it's gotta reflect. So we, <laughs> I can't say it ahead of time. I just gotta do it. But so we have he's coming from somewhere. This kid Martin. That's right. He's coming from somewhere. He's kind been... of mis- brought slash has agreed to go to pittsburgh stay with his uncle right um so we get maybe he's just some kind of troubled teen wayward teen Mm -hmm. kind of figure um and then (laughs) quite off the bat we get that the i mean i mean off the bat we see what he's his kind of his his not a shtick his modest (laughs) operandi is (laughs) is he uh kills it lightly kills a woman on the train car on the way there by uh, injecting her with a needle making her fall asleep and then drinking her blood kind of rubbing over her naked body. Yeah. He's a serial killer. Like he's a straight up serial killer. That's uh, yeah. You know what? I feel like that, that's that opening scene. You go a, he, he's prepared. He has a kill kit. He's, he's like stalked his prey. He's ready to go. Like he is a serial killer. And then that's what we're thinking, but then we that's get right. to his uncle who only refers to him as Nosferatu. <laughs> right. And like puts garlic up around him and yeah. all this stuff. So that's that. And then we get that he even though he insists, you know, his uncle's crazy, blah blah blah, I think it's important to the story to note that Martin acknowledges as well as the uncle that he's 84 years old. Right. So it's like we had this weird kind of turn where it's like, okay, this is some like crazy serial killer dude with a vampire-esque fetish, even though he insists on, you know, it's not a vampire type thing, blah, blah, blah. But then he casually drops, oh, he's 84. So he's crazy or delusional or maybe it is real. We don't know. And and if it is real, we don't really know the rules of being a vampire – in this world because he's basically saying all that shit that you know like everything that's in the movies is bullshit yeah and so it's like okay well then what are the rules for you like yeah can you die he can go out in the sunlight so like you know i mean he he doesn't he's not bound by the traditional rules of it so is it 
is it in his head? Is he yeah. 84? There's this big sort of open-ended and, question. And then sort of this, I think the sort of main conflict, the setup for it, which kind of uh, comes back and bites you, you know, at the end <laughs> is the uncle <laughs> says, um, if you kill anybody though, Martin, I'm going to kill you. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's that kind of agreement our, that, yeah. is is pretty much they get into the uncle's house and the uncle's like, here are the, you know, if you're going to be here, here's You got to work for me and if you kill anyone, I kill you. And that's our jumping off point. Uh, everything we just said, which was a bit wordy. Sorry, that's, uh, that's where we're at. That's where the movie <laughs> sets us off. And then he proceeds to stalk, kill, befriend women. Um, in a kind of coming of age way for being an 84 year old. <laughs> and then that all culminates when he can't uh, keep his end of the deal more and more and kills even more people. Yeah. Summary. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Summarized. All right. If anything to add for that? That's like key for you. Paint the picture, how we viewed mm. it. No, because everything I want to say is like more in depth. Yeah, great. All right, we'll get into our first section. What worked for us? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? for this one Tim I did, dude I'm with you I will say broadly speaking off of the sit- summary the the story like the actual like nuts and bolts of the story are really fucking good mm-hmm. like just from a sort of basic standpoint you've got what I think is really good writing um story writing i guess i mean we could argue the merits of the style of the dialogue in this but the story writing and the structure of this movie i i just find to be really fucking solid it's got big broad fucking questions it's got really broad thematic stuff going on and it's super eerie and so you're constantly kind of trying to catch up and figure out what the fuck's actually real or true and i love that construct um and then as well you you, it's i think it's i mean counter to what you had heard like i think it's paced really well like every time it started to feel like maybe we were lulling a little bit either some sort of scene happened that pushed the story along just in a dialogue sense or he went to go like stalk and kill and even within the stalking and killing, there's really smart and interesting conflict happening. Mm-hmm. It's not just like the even the first kill, he's not that he fucks it up a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like which which I think is super fucking smart because it plants the seed of amateurishness, even though he's he's acting as if he's done this a lot and he's prepared and all that he still kind of fucks it up i think it stresses that he's gotten a little cocky yes and so i 
I like that kind it's a little bit vague and, and ambiguous as to where he's actually at versus where he thinks he's at. And when you set that up for this particular premise, you spend the rest of the movie questioning the broader theme of like, is he just an insane person or is he just fucking up right <laughs> and actually a vampire well and what does that mean and just i just think all of that for whatever reason it's just all kind of working really well within it the construct of the movie well a big part of that construct and sort of to come off what you're saying as far as that overall question is he crazy or not i wanted to mention of course those flashbacks and how right. those were working to do different things, but I mean, first of all, what you said, like, it kind of allows you to think, well, is this real or not? Because they're they're stylized, yet they they're they're black and white, so we know they're sort of, you know, could be playing as from seventy years ago in his history, sort of based on the cars and the setting. It kind of feels like it's nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, thirties, kind yeah. of anywhere it's, from around then. It's turn of the century ish. Yeah. Um, but then it also, you know, feels sort of fantastical enough. It could be all sort of a glamorized imagination or remembering. But I mean, That's right. my my read on it was I really like to imagine it was all real. That was just my personal no, take I, on it. No, I think I kind of start there, too, where mm -hmm. I'm like, let's just take this for as you know, for what it is. But. As the movie goes on, I think that there are little hints of, of just, it's like just the seeds of doubt. Yeah, because it's like when he, I realized it was interesting when his, the the girlfriend, the woman like um, says to him, oh, well, uh, have you seen a doctor about it? You know, talking about how mm -hmm. he's 84 years old <laughs> mm -hmm. kind of thing. It made me buy into it more. But at the same time, no, I could easily see that moment being read as like, oh, she's just kind of uh, gullible or, or not gullible, you know, easy to buy something or um, mm -hmm. or uh, humoring him. Like, it's not sure. actual proof of anything, but did sort of lull us into that possibility, I thought. Yeah, um, but I think I just okay. But to say more about what the flashbacks are doing, like um, they were, they were contrasting, you know, then and now, meaning both in the sense of sort of what he was immediately doing, like okay, so he's going into this super nineteen seventies house to stalk this woman, and then it's cutting back to him doing the exact same thing, but something that's like 20s, 30s, just the garb and the dress up. So it just sort of had this interesting, like, okay, he's still just all, his whole life has just kind of been the same thing with the dressings changing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And I think I just liked that so much that I wanted to err on the side of this was all real. Well, I would, I agree with you, but I would suggest the counterpoint of, his flashbacks being black and white and being this sort of stylized thing of an era that really harkens back. I mean, it's visually harkening back to the, the Universal Monster movies. It's got guys with pitchforks and torches. It's got sort of that... What do you call the the sort of flowing the, like the flowing blousey thing that he's wearing? Yeah. You know, it's like that's a very stylized, specific era, and it it evokes a specific film 
sort of feel that we know that's right. really recognizable. And so when that pops up, I think it automatically, yes, you can initially say, this is just his memory. We can buy into that idea. But because it's so evocative of a specific thing, I think that's kind of one of the seeds of doubt of his, is he remembering this or is this just sort of a construct in his mind of what it, like, what it is to be, quote unquote, a vampire yeah. because of the influence of movies that depict vampires right? in, in a very similar way to fucking Transfiguration, where he's referencing movies and books about vampires yeah. and he's deciding what's accurate and what's not and i love all of that i mean it's why part of why we like transfiguration well, it's um so i think he, that's cool he's so well and the flashbacks you know as it was like uh mirroring the specific incidents that were going on then and now but it was it was cool as far as also we just kind of got this general mood of like um of I guess yeah, that's what that's what you were saying of like how even though this could be the film version of him getting chased back in the past, it could also be like the um, just how it actually was too. That's you know? that's it's, why it's, it's like, cool because it, yeah. both can exist and there's not a fucking specific answer given. Because right. like I we like have that. these inner city 1970s cops chasing after <laughs> him, yeah. But and that is what that looks like, you know, the the now slash then. But right. then like that is how that would look back then too, right? He's just That's still right. just hiding in shadows, still well, just doing his yeah, thing. I think what it does is it sets up the unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this movie's through his eyes. It's Oh yeah. That's what I wanted to say. Is this really interesting to contrast this with how he's so it seems like he's overly insistent on um it's none of it's real. It's right. or, or sorry, no, the, the magic aspect isn't real, you know, and yeah. that could, I don't know, but then it's, you're, you're always going on. It's like, yeah, but he also believes he's that old. Right. So that's, that's what I was saying could be supportive either way. I don't know. It's, I, I no, And I, that's, I think I'm agreeing. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that makes the movie worth watching and, and renting because you're, you're constantly, uh, you know, you're 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 kind of on a, a pendulum back and forth of like, oh, okay, I get, oh, it's this, oh, wait a minute, no, it's the opposite, no, it's that, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and like being sort of back and forth about it, I think is really fun because it doesn't let up. Right. You keep getting things that sort of confirm and deny back and forth enough that you're finally like, fuck. Right. Really, ultimately, I just can't trust this guy. And that's kind of ultimately right. the 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 audience, you know, the, the characters that are kind of representative of the audience kind of feel the same way. Right. I know. And it's ironic because that's just that interesting character trait of when someone's overly insistent on something, we doubt them more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... It's if it's true, you don't need to hammer it home usually. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can see it's his own inner <laughs> struggle going on. Yeah. But yeah. it's also a good character trait mm-hmm. to to have this sort of unreliable narrator and then have him in turmoil over his own fucking, like, unreliability. Yeah. Because he... And it's very much a, an adolescent perspective 
of like, you know, the world doesn't understand me. Like they're wrong. I'm right. Mm-hmm. You know, and but when you're an adolescent and you have that attitude, often the world throws it back in your face because you don't actually know everything. Yeah, <laughs> you think you do, and then and then somebody who or something happens that makes you go, "Oh fuck, I'm wrong," well, and you have to deal with that. Okay, yeah. So I mean, what you're saying is kind of playing into how this functions also as a, a coming of age film. That's exactly which right. Is yeah. So. Interesting. Tim, right. I loved this about it. How it's so interesting when he's apparently for all, you know, purposes in his mind is 84 years right. old. It's just that he appears this way. So it just gets you thinking is like, oh, is not coming of age? Does it is it tied to your age? Is it tied to how people perceive, including yourself, how old you are on a physical level? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or, or is or, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it is it? You, is it whether or not you fucking grew as a person or or you arrested or had your own development arrested somewhere along the line? Right. You know, like who there's no like, uh, I don't know. There's no there's no like map that says, OK, at 18, you learn enough to move into the next phase of adulthood. And look who he's surrounded by who all suffers from arrested development, too. That, so crazy overly religious uncle the the girlfriend who ends up committing suicide yeah. clearly her own issues the yeah. other woman having an affair it's yeah. like all the an unhappy marriage it's, is i've that's the biggest secondary thing about this movie that i love the yeah. most well yeah i wonder the if commentary on on just the sort of the spectrum of society at that time right well yeah that's what i wonder if it was really doing something interesting, putting that coming of age like context in it, not only to, you know, kind of what we were just saying as far as showing, oh, everyone's kind of could use a little coming of aging, you know, no matter <laughs> right. how old they are, but saying something about the time that it takes place in because, or that, I don't know, I just like that angle of looking at it as product of their time kind of thing, dependent on your growth. And maybe this is, you know, we weren't alive then stereotyping eras and times but it would seem to me that the first half of the you know the 20th century we like have this image of where it is way more um well let's say say whatever the 60s did for kind of the greater consciousness was a response to a certain you know repressiveness or that's right yeah or oppressiveness there's a status quo yeah and there's sort of a now we would call this the old world view right. of how to be so now, and society and society started to fucking evolve out of that because of progress because of whatever the same things that yeah. always happen every 40 years or whatever so the fuck. you could see martin kind of being you know with the rest of the world let's say representative of being in an arrested development until he finally you know after maybe looking for a girlfriend for 50 years finds someone <laughs> who's um is representative of that time you know kind of more young and hip and kind of mm-hmm. whatever i don't know whatever we associate with that early 70s like welcome back cotter's wife you know just kind of they're cool they're hip they're they're like yeah well that whole idea and, sorry and that pushing his growth that's finally right. that's, that's right. what makes him is, is being sort of exposed to people of the now time and the the whole concept of like the man out of time 
Like he does, he's trying, I mean, this is why it's a coming of age film. He's trying to fit in. He's trying to figure out what his place in this world is. And I think the 70s were kind of representative of that, where it's like we had gone through as a country in the States, at least we had gone through a major shift leaving the 60s. Yeah. You know, Vietnam Wars over, you know, the 68 to 72 was just fucking turmoil. And as like, far as crazy turmoil in the country. Filmmakers who are hip to this, like George. Gee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get this this sort of back end of the 70s era that it's it's like, it's almost like the country, the country economically was fucked. I mean, there was a lot of problems going on just in general. Yeah. And like people, I think, felt lost and they're they're like scrambling for like an identity and something to, to they, hold on to. The 50s craze nostalgia was in. The, they're just looking for that's something. Right. And, and it's also the era. The It is the golden age of serial killers. There's a reason that there was this big, you know, sort of blooming uh, maybe not the right word but this this explosion of serial killers in that era there's a lot of people who are just completely fucking lost so to speak i, I and, tie that directly it's as a metaphor like a real metaphor for all that you're getting at is um how we would be polluting at the time like granted it's still oh. it's still terrible now it's absolutely terrible now. But as far as just sort of completely unbridled, like you were crazy for questioning it, like, I don't know, that's just your, I don't know, you're, you're right. That's just my way of sort of say, saying, ah, you're right, Tim, it is this the sort of head of a lot going on. Big time. Yeah, I mean, and it it led to a lot of really great things. Um, Star Wars. <laughs> yes, but societally, you know, this was the era coming out of this era is when people started saying, holy fuck, we actually have to do something about these issues. And so you got things like Sesame Street, Sesame Street, 911 was was new. I mean, 911 came about because of um, I mean, I'm, this is not exactly accurate because I can't remember the exact story, but it came out of certain crimes happening and like people realizing we need a fucking like an actual thing that we can call to get help. Right. And meanwhile, Martin's just so used to like, oh yeah, I can kill a couple homeless people and not get away with right. it. Cause whatever. Cause they aren't, no one's looking after them. Yeah. And you know, and then I can leave you, my you get things like mothers everywhere. against drunk driving. You get things like, um, dare, like you get this whole movement of like, oh, we should actually care about, you know, a, our kids, be mental health a little bit. I mean, there's a, you know, there's still something that is being worked on, but like, you know, you got this well, movement of progressivism that was right. sort of like, hey, we can't just fall into the toilet. Yeah. Right. 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 It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's also more just recognizing they're there at all and, and that they can do something about it. Right. That's, yeah. That's how I see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, should we rewind here? I want to get, yeah. <laughs> I want to maybe just get back to like the opening scene Ooh, yeah. and just have that. I love just for setting the tone. Definitely. You know, it's, it's as we already said in the summary, it's okay. This guy's a serial killer, but it's the, it's the just automatically like who he is, like just visually this dude, Martin, what's the actor's name? John Amplis. Yeah. As Martin Matthias, Matthias. Um, 
he's got like such that 70s look like <laughs> i don't know i think i'd have mixed feelings about him as an actor in general you know i think the world had mixed feelings about him <laughs> as an actor because he didn't do shit after this but he's just so perfect for this part you right. made at this time you yep. know his face just does all the work for you and um so I mean him immediately, but then like his needle as a weapon too mm-hmm. just gives such a kind of I think what you're saying too, yeah, the kind of seventies aside of serial killer's sense of just that's his weapon of choice. It's very sinister and scary. That idea of someone being able to take total control from you just with a little quick. And it's yeah. how he does it, just this kind of quick bloop bloop, and then all of a sudden, oh my god, I've been stuck. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Like <laughs> Oh shit! Like AIDS needle. But then it—that's what I—I I love the setup of that opening scene, though, because he's—you're—you're you're kind of looking at him in the way that I think he's looking at himself, of like, I'm good at this. I fucking you know I'm competent. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, you know all of that shit. And then he gets into the room, and it's like, oh shit, my my plant. She's not where well, I thought she'd be. Well, it's great because we immediately we first see his kind of imagination slash fantasy of oh, he walks in there, right. she's yes. lying there, and, and she reaches out to him yeah. like, "Come on, baby." And then, so as soon as he gets in there, nope, she's in the bathroom. Oh God, where do I hide? Okay, I guess this corner. You know, she, we see him improvising. Her face is not like made up she's got actually like the night mask sort of like uh, what is that night cream kind of Mm -hmm. thing so she is like her actual image is completely defying his imagined image of her yeah at the same time we see this location the setting is kind of a perfect place to do it no one hears him no one hears her struggling yeah it's like she's just alone in her own train car. It's... But then they have this fucking fight. Like, he sticks her, and that shit takes way too long <laughs> to take effect. Right? It's like, bro, if you've been doing this for that long, yeah. up the dose. And how about just getting immediately plugged into, like, who he is with what he's saying to, to her? Yeah. Because he's sort of insisting. It's like where we see that sort of they are justifying they're still morally in the right where it's like i'm not going to hurt you won't feel a thing that is the scariest aspect of his character I yeah think. well it's because he's i i it's did the delu- kind of be- it's the delusion i believed him though at first when he was like oh you're gonna wake up fine it's like he's telling this half truth half lie of like well it's true they're, they're just gonna fall asleep and that's it but then as soon as he gets to you'll be waking up just fine no he's letting them bleed to death come on and to sort of macroly zoom out to that in terms of like a broad theme, mm-hmm. like I think that's a lot of how people felt about authority or about the world, that they've been told a lie mm-hmm. constantly. Everything's going to be fine. We'll we'll figure it out. Like we'll take care of you. And that was fucking not true. Yeah. Like that lie crumbled. And so having a character who's kind of holding up that way of looking at the world mm-hmm. is really cool. Like in the time. Well, that's because he's, as we talk about the changing times, he is representative of the last 70 years or whatever. Right, right. You know? Yeah. 80, but he years. knows he can't survive in it anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what's also cool. And maybe the family knows, like whatever, there's a unsort of spoken force that's pushing him. 
I don't know if he knows it because that's why he still kills people despite his uncle. He's still feeling like he can get away with it. Yeah, you're right. Like, Maybe he doesn't remember know. how confident, like when it gets to the ending and he's killed the two people, he's running away from the cops. We're like, what are you doing? Like the cops are <laughs> right there, but he's just like, kind of just casually like, oh, I'm just getting away. Like he's just so in he's, the mode of he's yeah. been do- when you've been doing something for 80 whatever years and getting away with it. And you keep, yeah, exactly. It's like, even though we only see the one flashback, I kind of imagine that this is, you know, this is just his own personal history repeating itself right. over and over and I don't over know. Again. I thought this was a really good example of how, you know, screenwriting, it's not about hard and fast rules. Yeah. Because it's, he doesn't go through a character. I mean, he goes through enough change of sort of like, um, you know, finally like getting the girlfriend mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <laughs> finally, not just, you know, um, uh, having necrophilia as an outlet <laughs> sure. that he admits to. But as far as like a kind of actual change, no, as we just said, by the end, he's just still just pushing his luck, which he doesn't even have to see as pushing his luck because he's been doing right. it forever. So it's more an exercise in contrasting him versus everyone else. Yeah. And see, yeah, that I mean, I think that's a, it's a very specific and cool character arc to have or to watch where the character is given opportunity after opportunity to be self-reflective enough to make a change or to have some sort of catharsis or, or to sort of, you know, grow as a character. Mm-hmm. And they they do not want to do it. And they recognize it. They consciously go, I see what this is. <laughs> I see that I'm supposed to be this way, but I'm fucking rejecting it. And it's that's, I think, ultimately kind of why it's a tragedy right. that we, we get to the end and we're like, man, he kind of deserves to die because he, at every turn, he rejected his own opportunity to grow. Which I think we see most clearly... Um as far as where he's given an opportunity to grow super fascinating moment. It's like, this was, this was like, just like, I don't know where I think what you were saying is that everything going on thematically is just so perfect. The girlfriend committing suicide before oh, he could kill her. It's the best. Like that's a moment where it's cool. We kind of see his sadness for the first time for someone yet. He's always, he's probably planning on killing her, you know? And like yeah, maybe. It's, that, <laughs> that relationship is fucking awesome. Yeah. So I guess tech, traditionally we would, that is just the B story, isn't it? And it's where just he sees standard. himself as older than her, yet it kind of feels like you know the sort of right. uh, a thirty-something woman with a what you know he's eighteen. Yeah, she's sort of a disgruntled housewife. Like her husband, she says early on, like her husband's out. You know fucking gallivanting yeah. with with girls and whatever and she's lonely and she's like but they have a chemistry yeah, they're an and attraction. she likes him yeah she likes him because he doesn't say shit like yeah. she says that she's like you know what i like about you you don't say anything <laughs> um but yeah just mrs santini is in her name. context of her committing suicide and him being surprised by that also like, her suicide is what gets him killed yeah because his grandfather or uncle uncle mm-hmm. believes that he killed her mm, right 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 and he's wrong and yet oh i didn't put that together because i mean yeah. he was just killing so many other people not but, so but many but mrs santini is the people. only kill that the uncle 
knows and finds out about and he says i know you killed her right and then you know two scenes later or whatever he stakes him it's like whatever though he killed the other woman and the homeless people (laughs) right right but the the uncle doesn't know that yeah i mean mrs santini killing herself is the reason martin gets killed yeah which is ironic which is great yeah irony but that was a great moment seeing him react to that. It's, it, was, it just sort of got you to go, why her? You know, after killing so many people. Like, yeah. And did, did you, so did you feel like his reaction to that was actually sad? Or it, it felt just enough of ambiguous. Like, I was like, I'm not sure he... I think, emotionally yeah, cares. I think he I was. I think he just acknowledged. He's like, oh shit. I think he was struck with. Yes, I think the situation, you know, in theory makes him sad or something he would feel sad about. But how connected he is to the emotions at the present right, right. is what I think the is it yeah. questionable. Yeah, I like. I mean, and I kind of want to. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Circle back to what I said about you know a, a character example of a script of the character not growing but i think what i mean by that is like you can also and this is you know sort of remembering what happened now better it's also a matter of you don't have to show them grow if you show them the moments like we just talked about where they have an opportunity for growth and we see them choosing not to Mm -hmm. like it's about seeing someone it's about seeing the decisions they make whether it's to go along or go against something previously to their their character um talking about his character and you talking about the girlfriend saying, Oh, I like you. You don't say anything. I just really liked um, how he's an example of the kind of person. And it was fun playing out where everyone calls him shy and quiet yet. We see his actual self or his real self is also a sort of beyond confident, you know, it's just not a question of being confident mm-hmm. or not. He's super outgoing, As- loud. Assertive. Yeah, assertive when he's in his mode of like yeah. doing his thing. When he when he when he breaks into uh the woman who he's planning on killing and but she's having, she's having an affair, affair already. He's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? You know, just like He's in complete to sort of comfort control of the situation. Well and he's like a fucking like little monkey or panther or some shit. He like leaps across the bed and like stabs the guy in the shoulder and plunges him. Yeah. Like it's it's he and then did, he's out he the just door. Me. What did he say? He just stabbed. <laughs> I think he says he he just shot me. Yeah. He just, just shot me with something. Also, <laughs> <laughs> that was so great. Can we get to that scene? It was oh. incredible as kind of the centerpiece yeah. promise of the premise. Just the yeah. sort of cat and mouse through this whole house of like watching in a sort of very viable real time of sort of working with the phones yeah and can oh, call for help oh shit. let's not call for help da, da, da. i don't know it just played out is a sort of great it's real almost time. like its own little sort of mini film within the film of yeah. like a home invasion just sequence and it's <laughs> fucking good yeah <laughs> i kept thinking like this motherfucker is so like so, like we had said in Transfiguration, it's like he's so fucking brazen. He's just wandering in. He's not wearing gloves. He's fucking just like <laughs> thinks he's got it all under control. And then perfectly like you would expect and sort of like the first scene. So the first scene sets this just sort of like uh, structure up is that he gets in there, thinks he knows what's going to go down and he's thrown a curveball. Yeah. And he's got to deal with the curveball. <laughs> and it's fucking good. And it's a scene. 
It's like an act. Shit's actually happening. Yeah. And there's fucking stakes, and you find yourself kind of rooting for him, and you shouldn't because he is. Don't forget. A huge piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's the worst person. He's fucking killing people well, just because. We, we just get caught up in his stakes of having never been caught. That's right. That's yeah. a fucking good place to put your audience. Mm-hmm. The conflict of, like, who we sympathize with. Yeah. And he sucks. <laughs> Fuck him. Like, he's, he's fucking killing and raping women and saying, just on its surface, right. he's killing and raping women and saying, Oh, but this is, you know, I have to do this. It is a really fascinating because it's my sickness. exercise of, um, yeah, of uh, just the fact that we've been with him and not with this woman and the guy she's seeing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's as much that's it takes as little as that. Like, this is just some fresh stranger. We haven't grown to sort of um, appreciate in their own way yeah. or just know in whatever way. We well, and it's someone. not just any stranger, too. It's representative of a certain class mm-hmm. in a certain place. They've got two cars in the garage. The husband is this sort of like bankery feeling dude. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a little bit swinging dick. Like I'm I'm super confident. Like when Martin shows up initially to to stake the house and pretends to be deaf, the woman is kind of simply she's like, oh shit, he's deaf. Okay, you know, like do you have any change? And the husband's like, ah oh, fuck, like this fucking right. shit. And you that- know, so like we're. We're having a little eye-in of, like, classism yeah. and, and you know, so we as an audience then when he goes to stalk them and goes after it, they double up on us disliking this fucking household because she's having an affair. So she's morally corrupt as well <laughs> yeah. as just sort of, you know, like, uh, what would you call it? Like, um, societally corrupt, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like that is helping us sympathize with him when we fucking still shouldn't. Right. Like, he sucks. He's a fucking murderer. He's a fucking serial well, rapist and murderer. I wonder how much it is, too, just in film where it's like when you're watching something play out real time and there's a clear kind of goal. At yeah. Hand, it doesn't matter how sinister or evil the goal is. No, you're right. You sort of are attached to the outcome happening mm-hmm. and is it going to happen or not. And whether we morally yeah. agree with it or not, there's tension in seeing if it plays out or not. That's the tension is the key. Yeah. It's perfectly set up. Yeah. So that we're on the edge of our seat it's going, what's going to happen? How that, yeah. It's just interesting how that can override any kind of Pretty much. moralistic. I don't know. I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't speak for everyone. Some people would easily watch us and be like, I was just not into it. I was just hating sure. him every minute. But. No, and that's fine. But even with that context, then they're thinking, fuck I hope this guy gets caught. And so the tension is them waiting to see if he fucks up yeah. and the excitement of that. So like it's playing from all angles on that. On It's just the tension. It's great. <laughs> I loved it. He's like uh, poking them with the needle like multiple times. <laughs> like, I know. Recharging it, you know. <laughs> I know. That scene is We're so good. waiting for them to pass out. Eventually they do. He's such a snake too. He fucking <laughs> like, you know, he goes downstairs, gets on the other phone. He's fucking with them. They're trying to call. They're yelling at each other like, get off the line. Get You're on the line. I get off there. Stop I really, dialing. Uh, I can't remember. It's great I shit. I don't want to say I went as far as sympathize or empathize, but like I'm, I feel like I'm a really similar character or person like to he is and just is this you know a kind of how I, they act to the world sense i'm so with like, you i could see myself 
Yeah, where he was just a step above kind of where we're yelling at the person for doing stupid things. And it's like, I felt like, okay, I'd be doing that same thing as if I was in a situation as far as, you know, holding up the phone, kind of hiding behind these little spaces. I don't know. I think that helped me be invested too. (laughs) Well, because you, yeah, you can get on board with the broader context of like the the just the shittiness and the in the in the like i don't know the craziness of of people and how they react to situations yeah where it's like you can actually kind of step out of that situation and if you were in that so if you were the guy that gets shot (laughs) shot with the shot you would deal with that situation much differently. But he's this big fucking oafish dude who's just going to like lumber around and be like, yeah, do it. Do this. Uh, shut up. Grab the phone. Call somebody. Just call somebody. Like, that's not how you would do it. Mm-hmm. So when we and she's kind of freaking out and yelling at him. So you've got this like it's basically like a kid watching his two parents fight. And it's yeah. like the kid's like, I'm just going to fuck with them. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's a pretty standard. That's why I say there's this adolescence to him that we actually can we can, you know, relate to. Yeah. And that's such a it's it's such a head fuck to it's kind of a carefreeness associated with youth, you know. Right. And so to be the audience feeling like we're on board with him or we understand him in spite of his being the worst person ever, that's a pretty fucking intense thing to sit and cope with while you're watching a movie you know it's great well we should it's like put the like turn the fucking you know uh you know camera around on us so all this is going on and what's also great was going on tim what you called out was the theme stated moment (laughs) yeah it's pretty stated in the face where uh, what someone tells him or he tells someone else i forget uh he says it you can't who does he say it to it's just a voiceover, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, the the line is, you can't make people do what they don't want to do. Yeah. That's, that's that this movie explores that. So, and again, I think a good theme, even though like that's written as a statement, it's not a statement. It's a question. Yeah. It's like, no. when is this applicable? To what extent is this applicable? That's a good theme yeah. or use of theme. Yeah. And, uh, that's why I've said that before. I'll say it again. You know, it's my marching orders is like we use film to explore those topics, not to be definitive right. one way or the other. And if you can say something definitive, well, then it's not interesting enough. And um, it's, it is sort of the one thing that he states as something that he's kind of learned. Yeah. Well, it's. Oh, wait, wait when was that? Or. Like when he's saying it, I'm just saying that that oh, by, oh, by yeah, saying yeah, yeah. it, by saying it, he's kind of making a statement to himself that I've learned something through the course of all of this. Right. And like, oh, that's cool. Like, so we see that kind of version of growth. But like, it's not. It's, it's just a sort of ideology that he, has holes in it. Like it's. Well, yeah. But I don't think he thought that. But well, actually, it's it's pretty unclear. Do you think he thought that? you know, or, or was bound to that idea before the events of this movie? Or did he come to that realization through the events of... I see it being sort of some, his sort of running, yeah. you know, thing I he could goes see that off too. of beforehand. But it was just but how... for us, we're going, oh, okay, he does get yeah. that. But it's, it's, I mean, it just was great to see how everything in the film was sort of an exploration of it or support yeah. it. The di- the idea of he uses uh injection needle to make people pass out 
you know, getting that is inherently taking their control away in that <laughs> yeah. sense of like getting them to do something in the same way that to. his uncle yeah. is trying to force feed him this sort of religious yep. dogmatic the, ideology. Uh, the uncle like, is just, yeah, trying did I say to force uncle him. or grandfather, whatever. He is an uncle. You've said grandfather earlier. Oh, because he's, he's the, the cousin's grandfather, the girl oh, okay. who lives in the house. That's why I'm confused. Um, but yeah, the uncle's religious fervor and just sort of yeah. <laughs> that. Um, I mean, talk about God, a heavy-handed theme. It's like there's more examples <laughs> too. You know, yeah. I'm just was trying to think of more. Um, Even all of the townspeople, mm-hmm. like each one of, one of them has their own kind of little flavor. Yeah, but it, it is it is all sort of speaking to this thing of like, like when he delivers the meat to the one yeah, lady and she pats that, him on the fucking head. Right. The fact that he's a reluctant delivery man and yeah. doesn't want to be doing these jobs his uncle wants him to do. Or the lady in the shop who's like, "You're lazy." And yeah. It's like Jesus Christ, lady, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> calm down. What's right. your issue? Like. Right. <laughs> It's that it's that <gasps> almost old sort of old guard way of being like the youth. Mm-hmm. How the youth and lazy. It's like, dude, you're such a cliche. And like with what you said, the theme stated, just wanting, just running to make them do what yeah. they don't you want gotta to do. You got to do it this way. It's like, well, or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 um reinforced a lot. Um, we touched on yeah the uncle and his religious fervor. I loved that both in the uncle, you know, and just sort of seeing him where he contrasted against Martin, who we should again be saying is clearly the crazy person we hate just situationally. Hmm. No, as soon as the uncle comes along, he's the one that we hate, like where he's crazier in some sense. Where Martin seems measured, at least in his insanity. That's scary. That's um, this guy, his uncle is anything but measured. He's sort of uh, more, I don't know. In a way, we're instantly observed, trapped in an ideology. Oh, and he, I think what's scariest about him is there is no sign that he could be, like, shifted in his point of view. Yeah. And not like he is locked in. Well, what's was cool too that I liked. He had his soul little like there were kind of other priest figures or friends of his popping up. Yeah, and they're like progressive, and yeah. he's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I mean, George and Romero is the other priest oh, who comes right. over for dinner, and then um, and it's like sipping the fucking wine and sipping the like the sherry afterwards. And, Ooh, yeah, this is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they go to the church, which is this kind of this unpleasant under construction, yeah, place and burnt down. I mean. Yeah. Talk that, about heavy handed. Right. <laughs> that did something, you know, but it was very effective, yep. I thought, to have the uncle kind of confidently sitting there. This this church, uh, what do you call me? You know, everyone who goes to church. Um, and uh, Sheep? <laughs> no, 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 Tim. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the um, members, whatever, yeah. doesn't matter. Just, just him sitting Con- there. Congregation? With, yes, the congregation. <laughs> And um, I've been to church. Yeah, me too. In that broken, (laughs) broken church. Like, God, something about the iconography of Mm -hmm. all that was really effective. And um, again, making us kind of subtly identify with Martin more, I think. Yeah. Especially when the uncle's thing is like, I'm he's he's, you know, I don't know. There's something about that response of. You kill, I kill you. That just feels, I don't know, at least strikes me or I think any kind of 
I don't know. I don't know. I it's, don't want to um, get into it. It's that's a you know that's an eye for an eye sort of stuff. It's that's that's Old Testament religion but stuff. Like, I think you know you take a sort of moralistic world poll. We'd agree that that's not. You and I I would agree. Yeah. I think a lot of people wouldn't. I didn't say a lot lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. I tried to say, like, if you're trying to paint a picture of what is morally, you know, in the end. Sure. Sure. Correct, if you want to say. Yeah, yeah. In a sort of uh, positive trajectory of humanity. Yes, yes. Is that (laughs) the proper response to someone killing is not to kill. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> so the, the the fact that the uncle is so quick to just say that. Because <laughs> it's black and white. It's it's good against evil. You know, yeah. it's like this is the doctrine. This is the the, the ideology and the dogma that we've that he has, you know, right. he's locked the fuck in. Which made it seem tragic when that is what killed Martin in the end. Like, I loved how the uncle just kept up his word like oh you killed someone i'm gonna kill yeah. like i'm gonna stab you through the heart with the chest yep. or the stomach is what he did but Kinda, yeah um <laughs> but yeah to see that play out and uh just like yep no question the uncle uh he didn't change kept his, his word yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but just sort of that representing a kind of you know immovable force the religious yeah. dogma good versus evil that like Definitely. killed him in the end and the you know, off of that, one of the other things that I really like is just the Nosferatu lore stuff, that it's this curse oh, yeah. that's attached to the family and right. that there's multiple ones, that it's more of a like... We get pictures yeah. of kind of like, oh, this was maybe him or his family when he was little or... And that like the family's been dealing with this. It's That's kind of a big and very cool, I don't know, I guess theme again just the the lore that families carry with them mm-hmm. is it's a very cool sort of marker of like where you are in your trajectory of like growing as toward altruism mm-hmm. like you you're sort of if you're hanging on to these sort of mystic and you know these fantastical stories like we tend to think right. of that as as like conservative or like well, moving backwards or whatever to, to, to sort of clarify what you're saying is that the uncle was the one always saying Nosferatu right. you're the Nosferatu he says Nosferatu like drink every time he says Nosferatu kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah. Like it's... yeah well and that that kind of being stuck in a in a way of looking at a thing is its own you know example of just commentary Mm -hmm. it's like where are we at are we gonna are we gonna sort of just continue to stick in the mud so to speak stick in his same white suit with his same cigars right all stuffy and like there's nothing wrong with being and doing things that you like but like if it flies in the face of the rest of the world sort of moving forward Mm -hmm. you know you maybe you should take a step back and look at it Mm -hmm. and i think that Again, circling back to this era of living in the U.S., I think a lot of people were feeling that way. Yeah. And maybe it's, look, it's not so fucking different than right now. No. You know, there's a lot of people now that are like, we need to move forward. And then there's a lot of people pushing back on that, being like, fuck you guys. So that's always the case. So I think that's actually another reason why the movie stands up still Mm -hmm. because this is a fucking common thing in the world with humanity all the time well to to sort of look at it as a 
you know, I always like to mention conversations like that. The thing that is changing is technology, though, and that's right. huge, huge, huge as far as a sort of greater cultural development, as yeah. far as a world accountability of the internet. Instant, we're actually connected for once. Whatever is bad, will the truth of that being bad rises to the top, and vice versa about good things. So to tie that to this film, mm. I think is sort of early incarnation of that linkage technological linkage was the radio show he's oh. calling into yes like <laughs> like whatever sort of we maybe as more yeah. like progressive minded people are attaching to um in in almost liking martin you know as sort of but you know in contrast to the religious fervor da 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 mm -hmm. this this the stoicism this the stuckism is uh the the radio show audience are equally kind of fascinated by right like this outside figure yeah um yeah so i just love the radio show stuff and how again like you know a person can't be controlled the radio host being like okay martin will you stay on the line and he just hangs yeah. up <laughs> yeah or 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 just the sort of the consumerism of it mm -hmm. like the the disc jockey is like you know, off the air, he's like, this is great shit. Like, can you keep calling? Like, I need this. Like, the, the audience is loving it. It's like there's this, you know, desire or, th or you know, quote unquote thirst for exciting shit, mm -hmm. you know? And that's a cool, just a cool another sort of angle of of pushing into the themes of what's going on in the movie. It's, right. it's just reinforcing Doing that Doing a lot about how we will consume something even though advertising dollars are connected to it even even though it may be concerning like people's death massacres whatever it may be it's the same thing he's doing yeah. martin is literally doing this he's consuming people in the face of like moral mm -hmm. you know uh wrongness mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not a word but you know what i mean right you know like it's the same shit and so it's for all of the low budgetness i guess if you want to call it that of this like this is a fucking really smart movie yeah and, and i and romero you know romero that's that's his style he makes it look i think it's really easy to watch his film i mean this is i want this is a good thing about it you know things that worked is um it's really easy to forget those are in there when you're watching it because it is just so yeah. kind of weird no, it is. and funky and yeah. just kind of seeing it play out at the same time. But I think it because it's so there and it's so well reinforced consistently mm -hmm. that it it there's nothing you can do but it's going to have an impact on you even subconsciously. Yeah. And that's to me, actually, that's sort of the mo the like the high end of filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> when you can kind of bridge that stuff, where it's like you can just watch the movie and and really enjoy it, but you're gonna walk away having all this other stuff underneath percolating. Mm -hmm. That's fucking good filmmaking, mm -hmm. and it's there to think about if you want it or not. Right. Yeah. Um. Talking about good filmmaking, just kind of transition to the some practical things yeah. about it. Um, yeah, it's low budget, super low budget and how it looks and everything. But I love that look so much. Like, I did too. Kind of almost like a, yeah, transfiguration, but, um, using, 
using that low budget support, the aesthetics of having, I love when it's like no lighting essentially. And it's just blacks like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we're seeing the train go by or whatever. And it's just a couple lights and a train noise because it's so you can't get the exposure on it. I love that Tim so much. And it's like, I've always gotten back and forth, you know, I don't mean, yes, I'd probably misinformed, but I can be so obsessed with that. Like when working with my DP, I'm like, no, I want, it's like, I, I don't want to see it. It's dark out. It's <laughs> right, like, right, yeah. He's like, yeah, but then you can't see it. Like, yeah, but that's, I, but haven't you seen, I like that. <laughs> it's hard for me to be objective about this style because it's so nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. It feels like an episode, this is such a weird thing to say, but it feels like an episode of Sesame Street. Like, it's so in this style of the late 70s that was my childhood, right? Like, all of the stuff that I was exposed to for the first five or six years of my life from 78 to 84 was shit that was shot in 77 and 78. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such that aesthetic. These, like, telephoto lenses, you know, like, um, zooming in as opposed to, like, actually pushing the camera (laughs) forward or backward or whatever. Like, that shit feels so good to me Mm -hmm. and like you said you know him just sitting there in the woods like i remember the fucking sears like photography shit that would try to recreate that like a woodland scene (laughs) and they'd blow you out from behind with like the fucking sunlight the you know the fake sunlight and they'd put like a couple shitty fucking branches in front of you to make it seem like you were like there and you put your hands up to your face you know what i mean it's like yeah i remember going to the mall jan brady's fantasy yes and seeing that thing done i mean the Actually, I will post on our Instagram a picture (laughs) of me and my brother from I'm probably two or three. So it'd be like 81, 82. It's exactly that thing. It's like we went to a department (laughs) store. Why the fuck my mom thought like this is the thing to do? But she did. And it's hilarious. I'm I think I'm sitting on like a, a faux stump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious awkward family photos it was one of my favorite blogs. dude so but that it's just it's so dripping in nostalgia for me that i almost don't know i don't know if i can step yeah, back okay. and be like that's good but i think you can step back because like what is it doing i don't know for me it's just utter sort of realism grittiness i've talked about that yeah. a lot too like when we watched what was the lake one or the, the lake bottom lake bottom <laughs> yeah where it's like i was taken out of it because i could yeah. tell the outdoors were lit just right. at all i'm like i would rather just have it even though it's pretty yeah. to look at in a sense well you're right it's, because there is co- there is really specific composition to what they're shooting yeah well and it's a line too and that's what i'm always fascinated by of is when is that uh, supporting it or working against it at least for mm-hmm. me that kind of like should it be lit or not yeah but this was so that gritty pittsburgh aesthetic like yeah uh, really yeah. romero grungy feel i that, fucking you know, love really it. Worked for it and then uh lastly so as far as yeah the other filmmaking things the music tim it's you know it's good music maybe you don't remember it exactly but just kind of going through it again afterwards it had that sound of where it's like synthy electronic but organic at the same time where it's like you have electronic sounds duplicating a kind of like um <laughs> you know that kind of yeah where it sounds drippy and mm. wet yet at the same time 
electric. That's cool. I, I love that sort of um, that mixture, I guess. It was cool. Yeah. I don't, I can't even like really remember it, which is good. Yeah. I like, I like it when I can't. It's just him leaning in a doorway. Tim, that's everything I had. Um, I just really like Mrs. Santini, that storyline. I mean, we've already said this, but it's, I think it's the highlight of the movie for me. Yeah. The trajectory of that quote unquote B story is fucking great. And she, I just love her. Yeah. Like I feel weird, just sadness for her. Cause we, I mean, as the audience totally felt her suicide when it happened. Oh yeah. What I like about that B story is it's doing, I think, everything that traditionally a B story is quote unquote supposed to do. But it doesn't f- – I'm, I'm looking at this from sort of a, a very technical standpoint. I don't think this is affecting the audience. No, the audience – it's not going to take the audience out being like, oh, look at that. It's, it's paint by numbers. But that B story forces him to change his direct – to change his trajectory or at minimum question it in sort of the turn into the second act in the around the midpoint he kind of makes this decision maybe i can do get what i want without the blood Mm -hmm. i can do the sexy stuff and like actually be with another person so he's flipping his own character on its head but he's like he's making a conscious choice to to theoretically potentially grow i don't know i kind of i i disagree in the sense i mean i think it is an example of growth in some sense because he's actually able to see through with it but i don't think he's looking at it as a trade-off for then not killing other people see i do only insofar as he kind of i don't know i think he kind of says it he sort of says like maybe i can do Mm. maybe i can do this it's a question and he tries it and ultimately i think he Right. It, it, it's not going to help him. I guess this may, but then you're it, right. It, but it, it, it circles everything yeah. back around in, in that tragic way of like her death is essentially the, the all is lost sort of like turn into the third act where it's like if there was any hope for him, it was her. Yeah. And she fucking kills herself. And it's not because of him, but it, it definitely sends him off. Like yeah. it's like it seals his fate. And that's just fucking good writing. It just is really good writing. And then to further the like impact of it, having her cut her own wrists and having that be his method of killing the first woman is fucking the way you do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like it's not really super on the nose, but it's just enough. It's enough for us to to kind of remember the visceralness of the first scene when he cuts her wrist, which is fucking they show it i mean he slashes the wrist open from you know the vertical way right like that just peels the arm open and blood pours out of it and so when we see mrs santini in the tub post doing that our brains immediately are gonna flash at least to some degree to that moment because we it's right when he did we know we know it like we've seen it it's it's in our heads already yeah all of that stuff i just think is the best for me it's the best and most impactful stuff of the movie totally um so that's the last one for me 
Now we should see if there is anything in our next section, <laughs> what did not work for us. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's hard. Like, yeah, I couldn't think of anything. And then just sort of in reviewing it, um, I thought like there's just some of those cheesy moments where it's like maybe of the acting where remember like he goes d delivers the meat or whatever and it's that woman's looking down at him just like kind of out of nowhere oh you must be martin go around to the side go around to the side sure I but then at the same time i mean to jump ahead to our things to know i wanted to say uh how many of the supporting cast members were friends and families That's of right. the filmmaker like I don't know. It's, it's a, hard it, to at criticize. At the same time, that. I like it too. You yeah. know, I thought the exact same thing when that woman popped out. I was like, "Oh, she's somebody that lives in town who they asked if they could use the house for this shot, and maybe George knows her, or maybe not. But yeah. either way, she's a local, and she's doing the best she can. She's obviously not an actress, and she, you know, it feels a little canned. She's yeah. doing the thing. They probably <laughs> did it like seven or eight times, and she couldn't get it, so they just are like, "Fuck it, whatever." <laughs> you know, yeah. like you feel all of that, but like. That's charming. Yeah, exactly. So I can't criticize it. It's like in this, it it lives and works in this movie. Yeah. If that happened in some sort of like, if that happened in an Avengers movie, you'd be like, what the would fuck that are they be fascinating? Doing? It would be. <laughs> it would be. But you would just you could be. Say that it would be Stanley, so every time Stanley yeah, has be. a cameo. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> How dare you besmirch the good name of Mr. Stanley, my well, hero? He didn't have an acting career. I'll he put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> he sure didn't. But yeah, it's. It's a, it's its charm. It's it's like you can't criticize. How can you? Oh, criticize and sorry. That? Yes, there was a charm to Stanley. I was happy whenever I see him. So yes, yeah. there is a, there is the charm. That yeah. is an equivalent, though. I think. Yes. No, I agree. And so, yeah, it's hard to even really say like what can you, can you say, oh, the blood was too paint red. Yeah, that. Can you do that? Like it, it was that. It was that kind of like odd. 70s stage red blood like but at the same but time that was the norm so how can you right but at the same time it made me it did all the right things for me right so i'm like i'm really like i don't have anything really i mean uh <laughs> i just i there were times when i i was like mad because i don't like martin and i found my right but that's I was the movie mad i didn't like the uncle and that was the point yeah so i'm like the sis, oh, she's not the sister. She's a cousin. Mm -hmm. Christine uh, is her name. Christine. You know, she's not a great actress. She probably isn't even an actress. Right. But she is good at being the cousin. I mean, and yeah, to jump ahead to like things of note again, maybe uh, something that didn't work for me was Tom Savini without his mustache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that was unsettling. Yeah, that's that's all we can that's all we can pick. Um, fuck, I mean, I just don't, I just don't really have anything. Actually, you know, I have one thing, but and it's not. I I don't I don't know what to think of it. I guess is sort of why I put it here. There's there's a couple scenes where there's a few black dudes outside of a, a grocery store, and they're. They're kind of just being like, 
I don't know what you would call it. It's like, like yeah, what are they yelling at her like exactly? They're being kind of harassy. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, I don't like this depiction. You know what I mean? I think it's right. a little like racist and on the nose and like just what the fuck? Like, why is that even in there? Right. And so I had this knee jerk reaction. And then I'm like, I just I don't know the context. Like maybe Pitts in Pittsburgh at that time, there was some sort of like there's they're speaking to a broader thing that I just don't know what the context. Yeah, is. I had the same. I, thing I didn't like it, though. It was like I had that knee jerk reaction, too. But then at the same time, it's like uh, it. I'm, I'm sure, though, that was, you know, yeah. the, the real dudes exactly like that doing exactly that. Like just the, the aesthetic, the rest right. of the film, like, you know, how utterly realistic it was in a lot yeah. of ways. Um. And I think that, I don't know, just just George Romero's handling, it feels very much like, oh, that is just, there were people exactly like yeah. that doing that. And it's this becomes a question for me, or is, is this the kind of movie that's help or hurt by, like, you know, like American Graffiti, like we look at now, it's like, oh yeah, it's just about a bunch of white people going around having fun mm-hmm. and no black, but it's like to force something else I think would be a disservice. I really think it's important for... yeah when films are representing a certain time is to show them warts and all. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. It's true. It is sort of just a knee jerk reaction. Cause now yeah. like, it's <laughs> like, no, that's what the fuck. Um, I mean to this in the same sort of tone or whatever, the, the kind of gang members that end up getting in the shootout with, mm-hmm. with the cops, like the head gang guy is like, wearing like a pimp outfit and i'm just sort of like 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 a caricature yeah. pimp outfit and i just kind of like i was like is was that actually i've seen photos in like old in like uh i don't want to say life magazine but like <laughs> you know but no i've time seen, life it was yeah, in time life i swear magazine. like no that was but that also was a it style existed. people yeah. did dress like that you know it yeah it's just so foreign to me as a thing because i don't know it's been caricatured think, so much. Think back when you were on the plane smelling the cigarettes, That's true. Tim. You're right. You're right. <laughs> there was a lot of plaid and a lot of brown pants. Yeah. Hey. Like bell-bottomy. I remember. I love it. Um, all right. <laughs> Things of note? Um, yeah. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. I guess to segue from what we were just saying about, uh, you know, showing warts and all. And I said, that's a very, you know, Romero thing. Well, he did have a quote about this film in sort of, you know, when he was talking about what his aims with it were. Nothing about really the theme that we saw stated, but plenty of what we saw in there. George Romero said about it, I tried to show in Martin that you can't just slice off this evil part of ourselves and throw it away. It's a permanent part of us and we'd better try and understand it. Wow. So like racism on display. Yep. You know, that's, that's, that's you know, wow, that's, fuck. it goes with that. I, I'm curious, you know, I don't know a lot about Romero. I mean, I know the five or so films of his that I've seen probably. Um, and that's it. Like, I've never looked into him, but he is very, I'm intrigued by him because of 
kind of the commentary that all of his movies seem to have. Yeah. I mean, I'd it's, be interesting it's kind of to filmmaker where we feel like we know him just through his films. Right. Entirely. So I'd be curious to kind of dig in a little bit. Well, so this would have been the perfect time to, Tim. Well, I have something to say that blew my mind. We watched the 95-minute cut of this. There's a 165-minute original cut. Yeah, but that wasn't... Like, what is there, that? There aren't two cuts. That was like a working cut. It's yeah. There was a two-hour, forty-five-minute original cut of the film that but, uh, that never came out no, or never like became a no, thing, right? I just, I guess I'm saying that's like how every film has that version of it, you know? Yeah, but why is it listed? Like that seems it was listed in the context of saying that was the happened to be the running length of his original cut, which is how just films always go. Yeah, I guess. and then um, I guess I mean the shocking thing about it is, is that there was just that much footage. That's or what scenes. I'm saying. But no, the context was yeah, it was said, it was put that way in saying that um, in the context of how the producers responded and wanted mm-hmm. and sort of contextualized the further changes that they. But made. I think it's really interesting just. To think about so, the, so, that so, idea, so, but sorry, I just want to emphasize, like you say, we watched this whatever minute yeah, version. Right. That's we not watched an alternate the, version, right? That's no, I get, film. I get what you're saying. So to, off that point, I, I just, I think the idea of another seventy minutes, <laughs> like what was, would have like what happening? is it? Yeah. Like what was it? What did <gasps> they shoot? Like what was in there? That's so intriguing <laughs> right, to me. Very curious. Like what the fuck was he doing? Is it just <laughs> is it just like shots of Martin walking across a bridge for like fifteen right. minutes? Like what is it? Right there could there's probably like a, could be a whole two other kills for all we know. Yeah, like really interesting. So uh, you mentioned Tom Savini. Or That's I on wonder mine. too. Like actually, something I meant to say in things of note, but is applicable here. Like the we're the, in things of note. No, sorry, I should have said what worked for me. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Um, but is applicable here too. Maybe that missing footage. Like I felt that uh, the uh, the the uncle and the priest characters. It mm. felt like they had their whole other movie going on amongst themselves. Yeah. Of like, oh, this this nephew figure who's Nosferatu comes in. Like I wonder if that mm. could have been a greater part of the story. I, yeah, that's is their point of view. Um. Oh uh, fuck! What was the thing I was? We just said Tom at? Savini. Right? Oh yeah, Tom Savini. Awesome. <laughs> um like <laughs> um fuck now i've lost it what was it oh 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 so the um the, that's what you were just talking about the priests or not the priests sorry the 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 uncle uh lincoln mazel or mazel i don't know how you say that um he this is like basically the only movie he's in he was a local like theater actor <laughs> Um, I mean, this to Pittsburgh and like did like, you know, 56 stage plays at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. Like he was all over. The, he's like a really fucking I mean, successful yeah, not stage actor of that of that. um Right. Uh, town or like that. I guess it's region. interesting as far cool. as how that is an example of this film. But I mean, it's not surprising for this film. That's what this film no. is. No, it's not. I just think it's cool. You know, like when you think about. Romero's style and like how he approached filmmaking. I mean, it's essentially all unknowns, you know. Yeah, it's like Tom Savini, who happened to sort of transition from makeup to people liked him to start putting him on screen. But I just I love that sensibility, filmmaking sensibility, to be like we're gonna make this thing and we're gonna do it here. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like, look, we're going to be local. We're going to make it. And we're going to make it with people who are around us and who are good. And well, to speak I love all how that. low budget it was is, is a budget of a hundred thousand dollars, but he told all the official commission people, blah, 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 that it was 250,000 just cause he didn't <laughs> think that they would believe it, you know, just to yeah. give it that extra air of <laughs> it's low budget, but, uh, but know. not that low. Budget. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's funny. Um, and then it was interesting cause I almost wanted to mention it earlier when you were talking about, um, the effect of having the flashbacks be black and white and the rest of it color as supporting a certain thing. But I'm like, yeah, I was thinking in the background. Yeah, but I don't view it that way because originally George Ramiro wanted the whole thing to be in black and white. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, and that was interesting. When we watched the trailer, all of the black and white footage was in color. Right, it's because they hadn't, they were still in the process of <laughs> sorting that out. Yeah, that's And eventually they just said, oh, okay, the, I think he, it was something the producer didn't like was the idea of it all being in black and white. So they were like, all right, how about just the flashback fantasy things? Did you know, um, never mind. <laughs> I, the last thing I had, which we've already touched on, which I thought was really interesting was just, we got to compare it to the second film we've watched in our show, the transfiguration, which oh, right. yeah, you yeah. should see if you haven't. Um, it was on Netflix when we watched what it. What episode was that? Two. That was episode two. Mm-hmm. No shit. Yeah, cool. Um, but I mean, yeah, we've already mentioned some of the comparisons, but like, again, it's the, it's about a younger mild manner, like a guy going through a sort of um, coming of age adolescence, whose girlfriend character is sort of helping him, you know, make that progress. And then the inner city urban setting uh, and his aversion to the the fictional, quote unquote, stereotypes of vampires and vampirism <laughs> and their kind of obsession with that, their, their fervor and saying, oh, that's bogus. Shit, dude, I just had an interesting thought. We should look at the scene in Transfiguration where all of the tapes of movies he's watched. Oh, I'm sure. This was on there. I think he mentioned it as an example really? of when he says he likes the realistic ones. This oh, was one of them. Cool. Good um, nod. But yeah, I mean, anything else that's like, there's more there too. Like, I'm sure. Definitely. Yeah. It's just go see that one too. <laughs> really good double feature. Watch watch Martin really and then good. Transfiguration. What did we rate... Um. Uh, we weren't marking them back then. Oh, that's then. right. Shit. But I think well, we both let, let's do said, it now. What should we, what would we say we now? We both say rent it, Probably, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool, um, man. Um, then tell us what comparisons you see. Yeah. It'll be fresher for you. <laughs> Great. Uh, all right. You good for that? Should we move on to put the bow on Martin? Move on to recommendations? Yeah. We should. All right. All right. All right. Do you want to go? Should I go? I'll go. So I went to get an oil change yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's going to take an hour or whatever. So I wandered down the street to the Americana, which is sort of just a mall type place. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be... the Americana at Brand? Yeah. yeah. Tim, you know it. there's a whole Twitter account that's the Americana at Brand memes. Really? It's got it's a known it's a known entity now. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what is it? Well, that's that's only, not your recommendation. Nope, that's though. only to say that there's still a Barnes and Noble. Yeah. At that they meme about that it. That I didn't know about. And so I went I was like, well, this will pass the time. So I go in there. I like I'm wandering through bookstores. And I gravitated 
unwittingly to the like occult section. Oh, it's the best. And I pulled a book that's called The Necronomicon because of Evil Dead. And I I'm have like, a copy oh, yeah, cool. of that. I have of a that copy actually, of it. actual book. Dude, I I was reading. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I actually like started reading it and was like, like invocation for this. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, I this like inspires me. I, I feel like I can already start coming up with a story for a script based on me going and like opening this book up there's a i used I'm it sure as a, there's a ton of them. i used it as a prop in a super super silly like little short i made with a friend in high school yeah there's like really fucking great disclaimers in it it makes me wonder like what the fucking context of whoever wrote it and published it because it's like it's it's purposefully vague mm-hmm. um and so I, I, I'm going to recommend Dead That as a book because I'm going to pick it up and, and read it as well. Necronomicon. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, that's awesome. Care. Listen, I, everybody, I, be very careful. I don't really see it as like the rules. something as a start to finish read, but more power <laughs> no, to you, Tim. It's like $7. Just fucking get it. It's fun. Flip through it. You don't have to fucking read it top to bottom. Great. <laughs> Yeah, use it wisely or not at all. Yeah, all, just remember, you have to invoke the light to protect yourself first. You do. Um, so a couple weeks ago is when I last left off setting up the three eras of Godzilla films. Mm, that's right. And yes. I was like, you know, maybe I won't use it for recommendations because I'll just kind of have it be a section. But you know what? Honestly, I'm always struggling to like fill our recommendations. <laughs> we have plenty of foreseeable episodes. I figure I might as well yeah, use right. the space yeah. to get into a string of Godzilla movies. So first one up from the original first era of Godzilla films from 50 through 54 through 75. Is it the, oh God, I'm forgetting Sh- right uh, now. It started with an Showa. Yeah. The Showa, Showa era. Um, it's hard. So it's like, of course, see the original if you haven't. Yeah. So I was trying to choose between, um, out of a certain era, between Godzilla or Mothra versus Godzilla mm. and Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Mm-hmm. They're both great. I kind of like love, I love the Mothra ones. Like Mothra is my favorite out of the Godzilla <laughs> monsters. But it's sort of more known, I think, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. So I want to recommend out of that earlier era, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. It's great because it is the it acts as an immediate follow-up to Mothra versus Godzilla, which kind of that era of Godzilla films kind of eschews at a certain point. Mm. It's got the original, the sort of best director from the era who directed the original one and kind of the better of the subsequent ones, Ishiro Honda. But why I want to like so much of those of the the Showa era of Godzilla films that ends up being indicative of those for me is that you have some sort of like alien ancient race kind of you know uh antagonist creatures monsters you know which are just japanese people with like weird sunglasses yeah exactly (laughs) um one one time they're like secretly cockroaches it's like once they kill them they just there's a cockroach at their place cool but since that's so indicative of um of these films, I thought, well, the first one that kind of does that is this uh, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. And so that's where it's fun because it's, I don't know, it's, it's, watch that one out of them because it's like, yeah, it, it has, and it's where they sort of make their transition of Godzilla being more the savior, mm. all that stuff. Are these readily available or did you have to like really track them down? This one I think was streaming on Criterion, Ooh. but, um, Hint, hint, they're on uh, archive.org in really good quality. Oh, also. wow. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so that'll be my first recommendation out of the Godzilla films. Sweet. Cheesy good, but good fun. Mm, cheesy good. I love cheese. I'm made of cheese. That's all kind, I eat. Kind of disgusting. Yep. Um, next we... Just uh, a nice aged cheese. <laughs> I believe it's my turn to pull next week's movie, Tim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, uh, I'll hand you the hat. Here you go. Whoop. Wait, Ryan, what? The book behind you is moving. What is that? What? What are you talking about? No, um, I don't know. It, just weird. it was weird. I thought I saw the book behind over your shoulder. Here, here's the hat. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Yep. Oh, that's weird. There's only one left. Huh. Weird. And it is Poltergeist 2. Oh, you know what that means. Yes, I do. It means we're going to have our second ever guest on our show. <gasps> uh, oh. You may remember when I was promoting, I went on friend, uh, Friends of the Pods podcast called Retro Reviews, and we reviewed Poltergeist. Wow, OG that's so poltergeist. that's so weird. That's so weird that that book behind you moved on its own like a poltergeist had moved it, and then you magically pulled the only thing that's in the hat, which is poltergeist two, so that we could have a guest on. I know what is going on, Caroline. <laughs> We're gonna get all into it. I'm excited. It's been a while since I've seen it. Fuck, dude. I I think the last time I saw this was mid high school. Yeah. I think well, it might have been yeah, it was probably mid early high school. So yeah, the guest Fuck, we're yes. the guest we're having on is one of the hosts of Retro Reviews, Peter Warden. And yeah, I went on their show. You should listen to that. I forget what episode it is. I just did when fucking what's his name? Uh Craig T. Nelson drinks the fucking worm at the bottom of the That's all we remember of Poltergeist <laughs> too. It's the best. Yeah. I can't wait to see that again. That scared the shit out of me when um, I was a kid. But yeah, we're we yeah, Poltergeist is I think near and dear to all three of us. Uh you think? <laughs> you know. I know. Um so You came be... over the other day and I was watching it. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and then like two days later I watched it again. Well it's because you were watching it you weren't watching it the first time. Yeah, you just I had guess. it on on mute. Well, I watched it again. <laughs> Good. And yeah, I watched like it recently for time. a retro review. So you should you should listen to that episode, get some context, and then um tune in next week. And, you know, as a curiosity on our show, maybe a little separation from it, we're going to see how Poltergeist 2 holds up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tune in, folks. Yeah. In the meantime, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com. This is true. You can find us on Instagram at dismemberinghorror and Gmail, dismemberinghorror at gmail.com, and uh, Twitter at dishorrorpod, and that's at Mayor McDuffie, and I'm at Tim Aslan. Why do you call and- me that? That doesn't make any sense. That. I'm pointing at you. Oh, oh, duh. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that. That guy over there is at Mayor McDuffie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> at Mayor McDuffie on Instagram. Yep. That's it. Right. And that thing sitting across from over me, <laughs> that, that talking that pile thing of over cheese. there, that pile of cheese <laughs> is at Tim Aslin on both platforms. Yep. Uh, well, yeah. Well, in closing, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.